So what's the most dangerous attitude that one can find in their marriage? Is it hatred? Is it lust? No, I'm going to suggest that it very possibly could be apathy. Hmm. When you're apathetic about something, it is almost void of, of purpose. It's void of emotion. It's void of a lot of things that are essential. Hmm. So we're going to talk about that today. My name is Dan. I'm with Ben. We're the teaching pastors at Life Fellowship in suburban Charlotte. Ben, you and I are both old married guys. I know. I just celebrated 25 years. 25 for you. Yeah. I hit 39 in August. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, we're transparent. You know, marriages have cycles, mm-hmm. uh, and, and and certainly over the course of a quarter of a century or nearly a half a century, mm-hmm. in my case, um, that that you know you have times where you just get overly comfortable, yeah. and that's the kissing cousin too. Apathy. Yeah. There are other times when people have just agreed to not end a marriage mm. because they don't believe in divorce, yeah, or because. It's cheaper yeah, not to. Yeah. yeah. But so, you know, you, you have you have a gift of counsel. You have a gift of uh, being able to see the complexities of um, of how people think and interact with each other. How does, where does apathy come from in a marriage? Well, I think apathy really is probably one of the final stages before most people end their marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that you'll see that typically in the life cycle of a relationship is, and I'm talking about people that do end up getting married, there's there's great hope. There's a hope that they have met someone that is going to help, you know, complete their life, right? Mm. There's that mm. there's that famous line in the movie, Jerry Maguire, when he walks into the room, you complete me. And all the girls are like, oh, it's so sweet, you know? <laughs> um, but there's this- Excuse me while I hurl. <laughs> yeah. But it's this idea that, you know, everyone that gets married believes this person is going to make my life better, mm. right? And in some ways, it's a little bit of a naive look at relationships because no one can really make anyone's life better because it, it, the nature and the core of of all of us as humans is we're selfish, we're sinful, and it takes it takes salvation, it takes the redemption of God to change our hearts and our minds. And so, I think the you start with this hope that oh, this person's going to make my life better, and then. You realize, okay, it's it's hard, it's hard for two to become one. That's a difficult thing, but you still believe that things are going to get better, and we're going to build this happy life together. And sometimes, sometimes that happens, but there's also challenges, and you go through the ups and downs of navigating what oneness looks like, and it's whether it's finances, kids, careers, um, spirituality, um, person personality issues, certain values, but there are these issues by which connection is hard to take place. And usually what happens is when disappointment and expectations uh, that are not met, you know, come to fruition, all of a sudden there's anger, Mm. there's frustration. You've let me down. I thought you were going to be this person and now you're this person and you're supposed to be a better husband. You're supposed to be a better wife. You know, wives are supposed to do this. Husbands are supposed to, again, there's these expectations. And so when when expectations are not met and when there's a there's a lack of love and and there's a lack of care and a lack of kindness we respond in a lot of ways sometimes we respond by getting angry sometimes we get by pulling back but 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 it goes through these cycles where we we keep believing you know as long as you're angry at the person, anger is always a good sign because in some level that means you care. It still yeah, it still matters. It still yeah. matters, right? And and so one of the things I, I always used to love 
going up to my grandma and grandpa Rudolph's house because they would fight sometimes like you would not believe. I mean, you sit there in the at the at the breakfast table and they would bicker and fight about things that you're just like, that's the dumbest thing ever heard of. But they would just but man, they loved each other to pieces. And they knew how to fight. And at the end of the day, within seconds they could be holding each other and, you know, lovey dovey with each other. But they man, they would they were spicy. You know, they they knew how to, you know, talk to each other and um, but they never lost that passion and they were married for 70 plus years. But, you know, I think there comes a moment in someone's mind or their heart where all of a sudden they look at this person and there's been enough cycles of disappointment, enough cycles of uh, expectations being let down. Maybe it's betrayal, maybe it's some trauma. And all of a sudden it's, I, I can't, I can't experience another level of hurt and disappointment. Mm-hmm. And therefore, it's almost like they they shut down and they shut off emotion and say, I just don't care anymore. Yeah. And that's when apathy creeps in. And when apathy creeps in like that, uh, you know, sometimes it, it really requires an act of God, I believe, to to resurrect those feelings again. Yeah. And it's not always easy, but it's possible. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and you know, I think I think we were created to care. I believe we're, we're we're created to experience these emotions, uh, and 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 the desire to love and be loved. Absolutely. And when those yes, when those whatever get euthanized or or uh, or even you know just where we just quit, mm-hmm. we, we just give up. Mm-hmm. You know, um, then we're in a place of great risk because eventually we are going to start caring about something mm. or someone again. Yeah, yeah. And that begins a, a cycle where we start rationalizing. Yeah. And we rationalize that which we which we know is wrong. Mm. Um, and rather than to go back and try to fix the brokenness of our current relationship, some people will find um, a pursuit of a new relationship. Mm. And they're like, well, they don't really love me anymore. We've grown yeah. apart. Yeah. Or I deserve this. Mm. Or I, you know. I deserve I, to be happy. I, there's where I was headed. Yeah, that happiness is is going to be found in in the in, in the presence of them, whereas mm. they don't feel that in the presence of their, yeah. their spouse. And, and so we begin a journey that doesn't lead toward healing mm. or toward a resurgence of, of it, but rather toward away from those things mm. and towards something that's literally in the realm of the forbidden. Yeah. I think I'm so glad you mentioned that because because we are created for this. We're created for connection. We're created for, you know, there's this idea that um, when Adam was looking at the naming the animals and, and God knew it's not good for man to be alone, that we mm-hmm. were created for relationship. I'm not even saying that that necessarily means that everything, everyone has to get married because there are some people that God doesn't call for marriage, but we are all created for relationship. And what's dangerous is, like you said, when there's when that that almost death of caring happens inside of someone's heart and in their mind, then what they have to do is say, "Well, I have to care about someone." And and that can that can look a lot of different ways. Sometimes it's like, well, the spouse they're going to pour their lives into the kids, which I would I don't think that's healthy because what you're doing is you're you're creating a um, you know, you're leaning on your children to meet needs that your spouse should, and that that mm-hmm. all that never turns out well. Right. Um, or you'll look for it in, in another person, mm-hmm. or you'll pour it into your job. But Absolutely. but there's you can instead of creating that oneness that you're supposed to have in marriage, then you're 
picking a substitute that will eventually lead to some other kind of dysfunction in your life. Mm. And I think that's re- you got to be aware of that because um, that can be you're just creating more problems by saying I, I have to care about something. And when that happens, what do you do? You feel stuck in a way. So what would you say to a couple where they walked into your office and they both say, we just have lost that love and feeling. You know, we are, <laughs> we are, we are, we just, we're roommates. We, mm. we just coexist. Mm. We're here because of the kids. Mm. Uh, we don't believe, maybe that we're here because divorce is not an option. Um, so, we're, but at this point, I can just say we're miserable under the same roof. Mm. What would you say to them? What are some steps that, that could revitalize? And I'm going to ask you as a follow-up question. It's different, but similar. But if both people come in and admit, look, we have an apathy problem. Yeah. So if, if I had a couple come in, I, I would first want to know their story because I think understanding their story would help me understand how they got to that point. Um because to me, there's there's a reason why both of them are at that place, and 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 usually, what you'll find out is there there's a, there was a moment, and usually what you'll have is most likely, Dan, I would say, is in, in those couple situations, very few times will both people feel that same way. There's always going to be some person that still believes and still is pursuing, while one of the persons has checked out. Hmm. That's typically what. When someone comes from it, now, the best part of marriage, the best couples that come to marriage counseling is when both of them are saying, "We've got some broken things, and we really need to work this out because, man, we're we're really wrestling, we're fighting, we're not getting along, we're we're, you know, we're just not in a state of oneness the way God's created us for." That's that's a lot easier to work with than when someone is saying, "Yeah, basically, when when this moment happened is when something died inside of me." That's literally the the language that some people use saying there there came a moment where I I kept fighting, I kept believing, I kept hoping, I kept trusting, I kept battling, but after a while I just it just I broke and I shut that door and I'm done. And it's very difficult when one person in the marriage says I'm done, but it's not saying it's impossible, but to me I would say go back and find out what happened in their story. Find out what were the what were the issues of betrayal? What were the issues of disappointment? What were the issues of pain? Um, because unless you can really dissect, you know, it's almost like doing an autopsy. What's there? What's underneath? And what what made you get to this point of apathy? And find out why. What were the what were the factors in, in that led to that? Because when that happens, you know. Uh, if if only one person wants to change and work on the marriage, it's v- going to be very difficult to make that happen. So, so is it is it is it possible? So for for a couple to you know here here's the thing I realize this a lot of times when people come to your office or my office or they go to a therapy's a therapist's office, it's like this has been in progress for years and now we want it fixed. We want it fixed by uh, the next Tuesday if possible. (laughs) Would you say that strategically there, there has to be a longer term approach to this than, than simply going in and talking to somebody? What I would say is you, you should expect if you're, if you're really serious about it, then change is possible by the next week, but don't expect revolutionary change so what I'm saying is, yeah, you should expect some change, but it's like climbing Mount Everest. You should make progress, 
but there's a, there's a long way to go. And so understand that, you know, don't expect for, if it took you 20 years to get here, 14 years to get to this point, um, and all of a sudden you're ready to work on your marriage, then yeah, you should always, I believe that when you go to see, see a therapist, make sure that you go somewhat to someone who sets clear goals for you. And that's going to give you some level of homework or assignments that you're, that you're working on so that you don't just come in and, and the only time you're talking or working on something is in the office, hmm. right? Or, or with the counselor, or with the therapist, whatever, that there should be this ongoing working. And so, yeah, there should be little tiny bits of progress every single week. And, and sometimes it means that there's more blowups. It might expose more things, but that sometimes is a good thing because what you're dealing with, the whole idea is how are we, what's the direction we're moving towards? And we're not looking for perfection. We're not looking for everyone making the right decision. What we are looking for is a new pattern of behavior and a new pattern of communication in the fundamental belief that we believe that God can fix this. Yeah, and I, I wrote myself a note just now, a future podcast episode ought to be how to get the most out of therapy and mm. how to get the most out of counseling because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people don't want therapy. They want MIC therapy. Yeah. You know, they want it They want it fixed. But apathy can be the consequence of five or 10 years of neglect. Yeah. So you can't expect it to be resolved in, right. in, in five minutes, let alone five sessions. Yeah, and, and I think that sometimes people fundamentally one of the things that people expect is I need to feel something before I act out. And and I believe that is fundamentally let your actions, let your behaviors lead to new feelings. If you just simply, I have to feel something before I do something, man, that's, if you live your life by that way, you know, there's gonna be a lot of good things that you don't do because I mean, I feel like, I don't feel like working out. I don't feel like you know, not, I don't, I feel like having a second cheeseburger. You know, there's a lot of things you, if you live your life according to your feelings of things that you think will give you joy and momentary pleasure, that's not the discipline. That's, that's, there's, that's not the way to joy. And so I think that you've got to train yourself to think, okay, there's going to be certain practices. If I feel nothing inside, I'm going to still do the behaviors that I need to do so that that it will change the way I feel. Mm-hmm. And so there's this saying, fake it until you make it. You've heard that <laughs> yeah, before. Yeah. Um, and again, this is for someone that's saying, hey, I don't feel anything, but I really do want to change. And I really want this marriage to work. And I want, I want a relationship to be different. If you simply wait around for your feelings to show up before you start doing the things that you need to be doing or changing, making the changes you need to change, then it's going to be slow going. What you have to say is there are things that, Okay, if I'm if I'm supposed to do X Y Z, I'll do X Y and Z, even though I don't feel anything. Um, but I, I know that this is going to help me to feel again, and I think that's really important. And that's a biblical principle. As scripture says, "Submit your ways into the Lord, and your thoughts will be established." Yes, Sometimes yes. actions precede changes of attitudes, which is why you keep trying. Which kind of leads me to a, another segue of another type of question: What do you say to the man or the woman who's in a marriage? They know the apathy is there, mm-hmm. but they seem to be the only one that cares about it. Mm-hmm. They're they're the one who they don't want this to remain. The uh, but the other party says, you know what? I'm fine with the I'm, way it is. I'm fine with the way it is. Yeah, and and that's really hard. I mean, I mean, it's it's one of those things where, at some point, again, I I, I do believe the Bible gives grounds for divorce. But I don't believe that just because, hey, we can't get along or we're just kind of right, bored. Like right. that's not that's not an that's excuse. Not them, that's right. not one of them is we've just fallen out of love. Like, I'm sorry, that's 
that's just not good enough. That's not biblical. Yeah, I'm not happy. As I'm not happy. Person. I'm not fulfilled. Um, there has to be true biblical violation of the marriage covenant for someone to say, I need, you know, and yeah. again, and there are times for biblical separation, but the point of biblical separation is to reconcile, right? So the whole point is what, what do I do to reconcile? So what you're saying is, what if someone says, man, I don't feel anything, but I do want to feel things again, but this other person I'm married to doesn't. I, number one, I would say is you need to cry out to God and, and it takes, it's going to take a supernatural working of the Holy Spirit, not only in your life, but in their life. And that's when you have to pray and fast. You have to seek counsel. You have to do the work that he, at the end of the day, you will be responsible for how you love your spouse according to God's expectations. Not You're not judged by what he or she has done. You're judged by what does God expect me to do in this moment. Mm. And so it's it's a matter of letting God be your audience and not the other spouse. Because if mm. you're doing it for them, you'll run out of the energy really quickly. Yeah. And you've got to say, okay, I'm going to do this, not because, not for them, but I'm doing it for you, God. And, and I've just, God, you have to change my heart. There has to be a cry from your heart to say, God, help me to, help me to feel again. Help me to believe again. I, there's wounds that I have. And when you bring your wounds to Christ uh, underneath the blood of Jesus Christ and, and bring those offenses and bring those wounds and, and bring everything to the cross and learn how to ap- appropriate the cross to not only the offenses that have been done against you, but also um, the offenses you have done, mm-hmm. the pain that you still feel. God is healer. We know that God is the one who heals, and he can heal all of those hurts, all of those wounds, and he can He can resurrect the feelings that that you're supposed to feel. Yeah. So, But but if, if it's really hard to say, hey, let's go to counseling, if someone's like, I don't want to go to counseling. Yeah. You know, I, and I would say it's it's very difficult. Um, I'm not saying you shouldn't go to therapy. Go, You should see, seek someone, seek counsel, seek biblical advice when you're going through this. But but what I would say is make sure that that when as you are growing and as you are learning and as you are changing, don't start becoming proud. Arrogance and mm. pride can seep into someone yeah. who feels like, I'm working on myself, I'm working on our marriage, you're not doing anything. And then all of a sudden you've got a greater sin of pride that's mm-hmm. that's keeping from love from happening. Yeah. I think there's one other area I just want to touch on briefly as we as we conclude this this part of the topic, and and that is this: I think we need to be honest about our own situation and look for a root of sin. Look mm. for look for this, the thing that may be bringing apathy to a head. You know, it could be pornography. Mm. It mm. it could be an inappropriate friendship or relationship. Yeah. It could be an addiction to work. Yep. It could be an addiction to alcohol so yeah. um, or so social media. Yes. And and so we're finding fulfillment. We're finding release. We're finding um, connection. Connection. We're, f- we're finding affirmation mm-hmm. outside of where it belongs. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and as a result, it can become an addiction. It can be, it, be, it can become a, it can become a crutch. Yeah. Uh, and, in, and if we don't deal with that while we're seeking healing, then real healing may never take place. Yeah. So, That's um, good. so this introspection, I think is an important part of, of the process, but Ben, this has been a, a good topic and we chose this one because it was, you know, low hanging fruit, so to speak. But we're going to come back to the topic of apathy as well, because it it seems like our culture um, is committed to 
you know, to doing things that create deadening, mm. you know, and, and a lot of people say, you know, I don't feel fulfilled in my work. I, um, I, I don't feel inspired at my church. I don't feel close to God. Yeah. Um, and, and, um, I'm just going through the motions and so forth. And, and so apathy in a lot of areas of our life, um, it's, it's, it's a potential it's, problem. It's real. And I think one of the things, I think the final thing I just want to say is love, you know, the Bible always talks about love and, and our ability to love another person is always in correlation to how much we understand how much Christ loves us. Mm. And no matter what you, no matter what someone has done to you or what you have done to someone else, when we understand our offenses to Christ and what he did in response to our offenses towards him, you know, there's, there's no amount of, there's no amount of offense that, that, can compare to ours to Jesus. Mm. And so if you're sitting there, and again, I'm not talking, please don't, I'm not saying if you're with an abuser, stay with an abuser. That's not what I'm saying. Okay. I I feel like I always have to say that. But if you just say like, I just don't feel anything, just remember how much Christ loved you. Mm. That's the few, don't be inspired by the person that you're living with. Be inspired by the cross. Mm -hmm. That will help you overcome your apathy. Amen. Amen. Well, as always, we're looking for opportunities to be able to connect with you and connect with the things that you're talking about. So if you ever have an idea for maybe another episode on apathy or any kind of other episode that would be of interest to you, contact us if you would at lifetalks at lifecharlotte.com. And as always, share us with your friends and neighbors on social media if you would. And thanks again for listening to us here at Life Talks. You've been listening to Life Talks. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so you never miss a new episode. Share this podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to let your friends and family know about Life Talks. We'd love to hear from you as well, so leave a comment and let us know your thoughts on this episode or any other topics we've discussed. The Ministry of Life Fellowship in Cornelius, North Carolina. For more information on Life Talks or Life Fellowship, visit lifecharlotte.com or you can find us on Facebook at Life Fellowship Charlotte.